Hello and welcome to Keyframes, a podcast about anime. I'm your host, Finn Halliburton. With me today was Andy. Hi, hi, hi. Duncan. Hello. And Jeff. Yellow. We've been doing this so long that it took to the names for me to realize, you know, being conscious of what I'm actually saying as opposed to being an autopilot. Uh, but speaking of being an autopilot, it's the end of the year. We got here somehow and we have to talk about what shows we watched and which ones we thought were the best for calendar year 2023 in the distant future around the ice planet mm-hmm. Xenon and whatever. Yeah. Uh, we put together a list. Duncan is the referee and is already mad with power to judge from our pre-show conversation. <laughs> I, I mean, so. the, the, the fact I, is, I is Ben, that's... <laughs> That's. I think this. This we're gonna have to just get get right to this. So here's them rules. It's five points for the first pick, <laughs> four points for second, so on so forth. Shows are ranked by cumulative scores, with the number of votes being the first tiebreaker and the highest individual score second. This is what we used for our anime of the decade. And I thought, yeah, we'll, we'll use the same again. Turns out it's redundant because we barely picked any shows the same. But nevertheless, it's good to know it means we've got good coverage. We've got good coverage as as podcast hosts. Yeah, yeah, we all like different things. I think, so yep. in yeah. fact, the per- in fact the person with the most overlaps is getting voted off the show at the end at the end of this episode. So, who will not so. be here in the new year, Survivor style? Can we place? Can we place bets now? Can we place bets? We pl- place place who has the mo- who is who is the like connective tissue of this podcast is what we're saying. <laughs> yeah. Who is the least voice in the wilderness? <laughs> so we're gonna go go straight to the top three. The the oh, top we're starting with best Wait, and whoa, ending with whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> top three whoa. disqualified shows. Uh, whoa! Uh, you can't disqualify a show. All shows are valid. So I can disqualify a show. And the reason I can disqualify a show is because, although it is this person's show of 2023, it was also their show of 2022. And they're only getting a yellow card because, although this is obviously a a show of dissent, they technically weren't on our retrospective 2022 show. So, Andy, can you tell us why Botchy the Rock is both was both your show of 2022 yeah. and is your show of 2023 yeah because yeah, i watched it <laughs> <laughs> well and just has a standing list for the rest of his life and bochi the rock is on top of it yeah. I, 20 anime what? of the year 2024 bochi the rock 2025 still yeah. watching i watched it again still <laughs> love it yeah well <laughs> I can't see it in the disgust list of 2020. It's in one two one because you weren't on 120. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that's, that's why, you, that's why okay. you're the most minor infraction. You, you, you weren't actually on the, the, the episode of the year. So, you're, so it's, it's like, yeah, it's fair. Uh, never mind. Well, yeah, because one, I watched it again. <laughs> and I, I, was, I was very drunk. And, and, a, and a coach back to Manchester, and I watched it again. And guess what? It's still fucking good. <laughs> Second is still my favorite thing that I've watched this year. So you yeah. put it back where it fucking belongs. Yeah, um, if you have a complaint, you should you... send it to anime yeah. for not making five be- shows that are better than Bochy the Rock. <laughs> at, at least five shows that are better exactly. than Bochy like, the Rock. You can't, you can't, disqu- you can't, this is why you shouldn't have had the list, because you're now taking that out. Of where it should rightfully be, because it should. <laughs> wait, wait, wait where, where did you rank it? Number one, of course. Oh. It's the best thing. This okay, I'm, I'm a bit more on Duncan's side yeah, now. Yeah, you yeah, rated it number one. 
I watched it. I watched it again, and I genuinely <laughs> like. For a start, my Spotify, my Spotify, Spotify, Spotify title drop my, already. <laughs> Spotify unwrapped. My Spotify unwrapped. Like the the first is it's just botchy the rock. The first my top five songs of the year are just the first five songs from the album. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I visited and... Andy like the, the car playlist was a lot of bocce and it's, it's, it's a lovely soundtrack so there's nothing wrong with it, that the, the music is great mm-hmm. like the music is genuinely incredible and even the side stuff when you're looking at like the, the sick hack like little uh, song that they then released in the thick volume of the of the Blu-ray like mm-hmm. that is a banging song too they don't drop a note and there are some points in which you can take like just a single screenshot and you're like, yeah, this is like, they've purposely like framed this to be a weird and cool and funny. And I, I love it. it it's, a, it's a great show. And rewatching it just affirmed that, yeah, it is a great show. And I'm really glad that Duncan uh, brought me, told me to, told me to watch it. Um, it can't be can you can't take it because it's my top. You can't take it out. That's bullshit. <laughs> it got man. first That's running. Fucking... It was it got it got to glory yeah. in the limelight and, and be first. Yeah. Dictator oh. for life, Bachi the Rock. <laughs> <laughs> nah, <laughs> forever forever five points. <laughs> wins every wins every election with all we the votes. You can't take it out of my list, man. That's some fucking primo bullshit. Keep keep your hands off, Bachi the Rock. So yeah, Andy, it's... genuinely. What has ch- what has changed about how you feel about it in 2023 as opposed to last year? Nothing. I just still love it. <laughs> I tried. We're the best at this. We're the best podcast. Like, why does anybody else bother? Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. Listen, listen, listen to the episodes. Andy, I've opened the cell door. Walk out, Andy. Andy's like, shut that door. <laughs> now this is this is some Plato Plato's cave stuff yep. going on. Except Bachi the Rock is playing on the on the firewall. <laughs> Yeah, it's a good thing for us that it wasn't playing in that instead of just some bullshit shadows. We'd still be in there. <laughs> the rule was anything you've watched, anything you've watched from January to now. Yeah, and I please, have please. watched Botchy the Rock again since January. The unsaid rule was it shouldn't have been your anime of the year last year, and that's why you're getting the. I other don't cards. give a fuck. <laughs> yes, please listen to episodes one nineteen and one twenty one to hear what Andy <laughs> thinks about Botchy the Rock. It's even the same thing. The mise en scène is what he is what he complimented then too. I it's 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 still funny. The jokes okay. still fucking slap. The the music still rules. It's still a great show. It's gonna be and you know what? They're releasing two films next year, so guess what's gonna be one and two? No, I'm year. I'm blocking like the machine will spit back out your vote if you if you vote for the recap. Movies. And Andy very much spoiled his ballot here. I feel. <laughs> whereas, as, whereas the write-in vote, I think, uh, goes to uh, the number two disqualified show, which is uh, Ben's choice of uh, "Do It Yourself," which was in his retrospective show for 2022 as well. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. Not. <laughs> And I think was I had different rules this time. It's because I I could have put it shows I was in the process of watching this time, but I realized that it's a show that you finish um, in in the given calendar year means that I'll have less chances for overlaps in the future. So it's unfortunate transition. So with Andy, obviously he says nothing has changed about the way he viewed who'd watch. Did you rewatch um, Do It Yourself or 
what, what bring, uh, what I, I rewatched all the amazing Sakuga clips, but um, <laughs> but no, I uh, I hadn't finished it. I, I put oh, it okay. in the I put it in last year because I felt I earnestly felt that uh, it didn't matter how it ended. It was just this okay. cute small yes, show, and that's yes, fundamentally that's... from from the other end of the horse. I uh, I feel the same but uh but for different reasons <laughs> that like it like there are so many shows and, and like shit. especially when Give john especially when john criticizes me for like having my expectations too high so i'm disappointed with stuff that's per- that's perfectly executed in terms of its own ambitions i do think that like do it yourself despite having this needlessly like high-flown like near-future sci-fi setting um and this kind of like surreal watercolory palette is kind of just about like two people fixing a friendship while while they while they do arts and crafts and like i don't know after a year of like grand like psychologically difficult stuff to just have a show about how like like one person grew up grew up to be a dumbass and one person grew up to be a bitch and they're not really friends anymore and here's how they reconnect over something as humble as dumb gl- glass bead projects and minor woodworking and building a hmm. treehouse and it looks great especially the first few episodes the animations are yeah. superlative mm-hmm. it is it is unequivocally an honorable mention there are i feel like every every show otherwise in my list um that has has some sort of grand pretension and i i can't help myself like i want my shows to be about life and the human condition and our place in the universe but um do it yourself um it's just modest it's innocent um it's it's a show about friendship where i i want the people to become friends again (laughs) as opposed to like when i'm watching other shows like sometimes i'm like these people should stop talking (laughs) That has doesn't happen in in do it yourself. Like you want what's her face to pull her stick out of her ass, and you want Yuasarufu to to get her life together. I don't know. Um, she's kind of I, elemental in that sense. <laughs> I I just feel that like they just kind of bonded like way too quickly. Like they they just got over their problems in like a heartbeat, and I was like. This is meant to be like some deep-seated hatred of him, of, uh, of U.S. Serifu, and I'm just like, where is? I mean, I I don't I don't want people to go through a through an emotional crucible and do it yourself. Honestly, is no. my thing. I'm fine. I'm fine that it's light. I'm fine that it's ultimately that they just need to talk to each other and need to get over like old misunderstandings because I think that's sometimes how it is. I don't. I don't need like his neighbor screaming and crying in the rain for, for this. And I understand like wanting more of a deep emotional attachment to the repair of this, these people's friendship, because I do think there is honestly more passion in the arts and crafts than in the psychological fracas that they are, that they're resolving. Um, But for me, it's great. I wanted to bring it up one last time now that I've seen all of it. That was my, that was my (laughs) rationale. Yeah, and that was my rationale too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that sounds like great rationale, like superb, yeah, yeah. really well. He reasoned. got through his cognitive. He finally got through it this year. He got through it last year as well, but he also got through it this year. Hey, <laughs> hey let's see, let's see how many times we get through it next year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so yeah, so yeah. Now, now we come to our number one disqualified choice, which showed such disregard for the general concept of a yearly roundup that despite myself i was kind of impressed and so will actually be part of the tier of the of the list of shows it shows that you know 
were part of the year 2023. A list of shows, in fact, we've avoided talking about for t- far too long now, and we're going to move on to. Well, apart from mine. Oh, God. We have a, we've got a top seven. We've got... Uh, uh, because we've got a lot of single-pick shows and a, three, uh, three shows which or, which had multiple wa- watches. And so, in some ways, it's worked out kind of well, because we've got a, a definitive sort of top three and, and then uh, a pack below. And uh, we will... Start with our number sevens, uh, where we have two, which were uh, two people's fifth choice. And that's Oshinoko, which was Andy's fifth choice, and Girlfriend Girlfriend, which was Jeff's fifth choice. Um, we'll, we can start uh, with alphabetically, so we'll go with the uh, Girlfriend Girlfriend and Jeff. Okay. <laughs> go, go for Girlfriend Jeff. So <laughs> I'm going to caveat this by saying I do not think this is a good show and I don't think anybody else should watch it. However, it oh has given me a severe case of Frank's brain. And so for me, that <laughs> is a thing that I I genuinely enjoy about it. I watched the first episode <laughs> and diagnosed it to be hot trash and then stopped. I mean, I'm pretty sure I said at the end of the last season that I was not going to watch this coming season, that I wasn't interested. And... Then somebody brought up, I I, I, I saw, I, I think it was like on Twitter or Blue Sky or something. Somebody said like, girlfriend, girlfriend is the better version of 100 girlfriends who really love you. And I took uh, that up as a challenge. True. That's and, fucking not true at all. And I've, 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 having, having watched the first half of 100 girlfriends and the entirety of the second season of this. And I, I will say that I genuinely do prefer this show. I, I, for you know, a quick recap of what it is, uh, it is uh, based on a manga by uh, Hiroyuki, uh, who created Aho Girl. Uh, the director is somebody Great with show. a black. Uh, yep, and the director is somebody with a black name on Wikipedia. Uh, I believe they have uh, director credits in several shows, but this is the first time that they have been the showrunner. Uh, it is about a. Basically, a polycule of people being held together by just the sheer willpower and genki energy of the main boy Naoya, and the his ability to basically just convince two girls to be his girlfriend simultaneously, and and another two girls who are sort of like Loki trying to get them to break up so that they'll he'll be their bo- uh, boyfriend instead. So. The first season is basically, you know, it, and it is mostly just like a screwball sex comedy. There's a lot of like accidental pervert jokes. There's a lot of like etchy sort of like bullshit. Like it, I'm not, I'm not coming out, coming out here to say that this show is good actually, and that you should give it like a serious consideration, but I do admire <laughs> the ambition. Like, but I, it's and, the top five of I the mean, whole year. <laughs> For me, like I'm, I'm like saying, like this is this, like yeah. I, like this show has taken up more like ramp cycles for me than the other shows. Like, I, like I have a bunch of runner-ups that I'll mention <laughs> maybe later on. And dear mm. listener, I will recommend any of those over watching this. However, I really enjoyed watching this show and like chewing on it because like it really, really does want to present a argument that you know this is these are actual people trying to make this work within the logic of like you know a, a, an animated shonen sex comedy 
as opposed to something like 100 girlfriends which de- like literally, literally feels like somebody just running through like if you're playing a gacha game and you've got like a hundred like affection stories to go through because you want to get some like premium pulls or something like that and you know you know each sort of little episode takes place in a pocket universe where nobody else gives a shit that you're spending all your time with this you know one girl and they, they just go into the bench and just sort of like cheer you on yeah. from the side whereas this show like it it really wants to chew on sort of the implications of like what's going on here and also this is also colored by the fact that i then like read beyond what has been adapted because the manga has actually been finished and actually does come to like a pretty satisfying conclusion, which has like, which I think also sort of retroactively makes the shortcomings of the first two seasons like a little bit better because you can see where it's going because it, it does actually pay like it does its best to pay it off again. I'm not going to say it's good. I'm not going to say, you know, this is actually something you should give, you know, credence to but i i genuinely enjoy the experience of watching the show and reading the manga and and i will say that it was one of my mm-hmm. top five anime experiences of this year yeah i no it's not fair <laughs> that show is fucking garbage i, oh, I, I watched it, i watched like two episodes of it and it was bad like the main guy is an absolute despicable piece of shit who just wanted to fuck two women for no good reason <laughs> and then it and then it and it's not like a hundred a hundred girlfriends is the better one. I mean, I don't think Jeff is turned off by despicable pieces of shit. We have the whole <laughs> Monogatari series watch podcast. Yeah, that's <laughs> true, but the characters are better in Monogatari and it's animated nicely in Monogatari. This is true. <laughs> oh yeah, like like the first season was already like the cast offs of the Tezuka uh studio and <clears throat> this seems to be like subcontractors of them. So, like, again, not a good show. Dear listener, don't watch this show. This is purely for my self-indulgence, but it's also my podcast, so I'm allowed to do that. <laughs> uh, anyway, Oshino, Oshino Ko. Yeah, I, I looked through everything, um, and out of everything that I was like, what gave me the most emotional reaction this year, what I enjoyed the most, Oshino Ko is one that, for me, stood out as, like, a great anime like beautifully animated the story was really well done the first of now a worrying trend where we're getting a feature length movie at the beginning of <laughs> of, a, of a show hmm. actually yeah that's that that, that is like like uh, that is the theme of 2023 in a way like the the feature length well uh... the back half the back half because it's only recently been like well, there's been like Frey Ren, there's been uh, Apocalypse Diaries, uh, and there's a, I think there's another one that I'm missing that I can't yeah. put my finger on. But like, Oshinoko was the first to do it, but it felt like it needed to do that. It needed to get that first bit out where you have the whole of Ai's story encapsulated in one glorious like hour and a half segment. Um, and that really like compelled you to watch the rest of the show. Uh, I really like Oshinoko. I really love some of the conversations and some of the actual genuine problems with the idol industry and being a celebrity that has arisen from that. Um, whether they have been tackled well by us or by other people is uh, neither here nor there. But to have a show that even lights brings to light that kind of conversation, I feel is very rare these days. Um, uh, unless of course you are 
Jujutsu Kaisen and you're working for Mappa, <laughs> um, which is a different thing entirely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's my reason for choosing Oshinoko. I really enjoy it. And I'm looking forward to a presumed season two. Yeah. I haven't. There's no way that's not getting the season two. <laughs> well, maybe it could have been cancelled like ter- Terrace House, but, you know, that's a. <laughs> That's, that's hopefully that's for not the similar reason that's though. A, that's a, really, that's a let's hope not. Tasteless joke. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. Like, like I think think a lot of us enjoyed uh, Oshi at the t- time, but which this made it in my top ten, but didn't make it to my top five. It's it's it was definitely a show which had just amazing production values. Yeah, I just don't want to. I just actively didn't want to pick stuff that was this season. <laughs> that was my thing. Because this season's really good. Yeah. But yeah. I also think that, like, there's also been really... Like, we forget stuff that mm-hmm. happens mm-hmm. January, like, at the beginning yeah. of the year. Um, like Bocce the Rock. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so we'll move on now to our, our, our sixth place. Uh, we've, we've sixth place, we have three, three shows uh, tied. Uh, we have uh, Oku from Ben, we have Revenger from Jeff, and we have Jobless Reincarnation from me. They are each of ours our fourth choice. So, shall we start with um, I guess if we're doing alphabetic, I'll start uh, with uh, uh, Jobless Reincarnation. Musoko um, Tensei. Um, so... Oh, but season one, that happened like two years ago. Isn't that a yellow card? Oh my god. <laughs> So yeah, my problematic faves back. As Andy points out, like season, I liked season one and I like season two because ultimately, just like uh, Rudius, I, I want to be a better person, but my good intentions fall away and I backslide, and so here we are. Um, we all have our weaknesses. Cheating on your own list. Yeah, Shocking. and uh, mine is my weakness is is really good animation and flawed protagonists. Absolutely, and monster. this show has both of those in spades. I that the first season which I enjoyed a lot was was like the classic redemption arc. Like it's it's all about him getting past his his tendency to externalize blame and like treat the world like it owed him something. But what I really enjoyed about this 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 second season was that it deals with the with the fact that he improves. He really tries hard to be a better person, but the way he constructs that bases his own self worth completely on others. Like to do the things that other people would approve him doing, not because he thinks they're right or because of any real moral sense of why he should or shouldn't, but because he thinks this person he regards highly would approve of him doing it, and. That for me was like just so rare to, for see any acknowledgement that people don't just get better in a straight line, and that sometimes we learn a lesson for the wrong reason. Like some, sometimes you you superficially get better, but you actually are getting worse in a way too. And it was, I, I have a, a great weakness for this kind of morally grey story and. Jobless reincarnation, as as Jeff has has many times commented, is has huge problematic chunks to it, and is one of those shows which you wonder if how much the creators are making it easy to misread it. Like, yeah, if you you push even a slight bit, you can see that Rudis isn't someone you should want to be. But if you decide he's <coughs> someone you you like, 
it's not going to push hard back against you. You can you can still ignore it. It's not cake and eating it. It's more a cake and people ignoring the the ingredient list, which says monosodium glutamate and ninety nine percent sugar and fat. And I, I don't know. It's it's it's. I think I'll continually be weak to this sort of thing. But in the end, it's a show which rewards the amount of effort you put in and what you get out, which is, I think is also something which applies to a show we, a lot, I think all of us watched, uh, which is Oku, which is uh, Ben's number number four. Yeah, I don't want to belabor my reasons for picking this because, you know, we spent mm-hmm. half an hour talking about it back in episode 125. Um, but I've definitely noticed that over the past uh, several seasons that this kind of like court drama where like people mm. are inside a harem or inside some sort of closed forbidden palace that is either Chinese or imitating Chinese mm-hmm. or is fantasy Chinese. Like, yeah, Raven of the Inner Palace, Oku, Apothecary Diaries. Um, these feel like they've just been happening a lot lately. They're really good and as well. Like all of, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a good little pressure cooker for like interesting characters. And I feel like the stock characters aren't as tired in these stories as they are mm. in other types of historical drama that have been more common uh to, to anime up until now but yeah oku um is just i picked it honestly as a kind of stand-in i will probably be picking apothecary next year but <laughs> as apothecary has a whole nother core coming up it felt silly to have another show that's core halfway coming done. up same with Farron. seriously yeah it's gonna be 24 oh, episodes it's gonna be 24 great. episodes yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah see so for now since I don't know, I would love to see Oku get more, but I feel like it's the mm. <laughs> it and Raven are much less likely than Apothecary to get it. True. So I just liked how political and serious this one. I think that if there's one downside with a Raven of the Inner Palace and Apothecary, it's that their their little gremlin girls don't feel like they're as in serious threat as people in the Oku uh, mm. setting. Like there's a lot of danger with playing politics and these powerful personalities. The emperor being off in the distance and in, in the apothecary diaries is a, a credible menace, but compared to where like, I mean, I think people just get stabbed in Oku a lot oh, more. Yeah. <laughs> and so that definitely being someone who goes around and like solves people's problems. Um, it actually has the reason that there weren't these type of characters and why these type of characters are so exciting and empowering and why there's such a good lens for, the dynamics that people had to navigate in these like harem situations in these like intense um like closed circuit courts so yeah i i really liked oku i would like to see more i feel sadly certain that i probably won't get it um although who knows netflix is the least predictable of the yeah, streaming services i feel true. like these days yeah. uh, shadow and bone got canceled despite being their biggest <clears throat> show of the first half of 2023 who the fuck knows um so yeah, I really liked it, and I won't belabor the point. Um, but if you want to see a show play seriously with like how gender works in these kind of imperial court settings, and how we how habit and tradition become these forces that just cause people to act bizarre and awful, yeah, really enjoyed Oku. What's about Revenge then, Jeff? <laughs> um, yeah. Revenger, uh, just a solid, like made for uh, like t- you know, anime original, uh, created by again Urobuchi, who created Psychopaths and Madoka, and 
if this had come out 20 years ago and had been like in the Toonami block, it would probably be a lot of elder millennials like favorite anime. <laughs> and it was intentionally made to sort of harken back to like Showa era historical dramas that, you know, sort of came out and were not as, you know, hung up on conventions, which I think this show also manages to do. Like it's just like an, an ensemble cast of like action samurai dudes doing cool fights, you know, doing assassinations, you know, the, the basic premise is just, you know, there is you know, a gang of assassins who will, you know, carry out the job of anybody who manages to get them, you know, a full strength gold coin with their own teeth marks in it to show their resolve for getting this job done. Uh, they get tied up in, you know, the, the fake British empires, fake opium plot to take over Japan and Nagasaki, and it's just it's it's a fun enjoyable show it's got that sort of anime original uh unpredictability to it where you know it's there's no way to know ahead what's happening you know there's it's not going to get canceled halfway through so it's basically you know if they get more work for this it's going to be based on the strength of the show and so it gets a little wild and loosey-goosey uh as the series goes and i again a solid show i enjoyed it and I've got a soft spot for this kind of thing in the first place. So I mm. want to give it a shout out because I don't think it got a whole hell of a lot of attention when it was coming no. out on its own. It's, it's good that I think, you do. I think it got I think it got overshadowed by Hell's Paradise. Yeah. Um, mm. Did you watch that, Joe? I did. I also enjoyed that. Yeah. 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 That was that was one of my runner ups actually. We don't have many uh, uh, anime original shows on the list, so it's it's good that one has has made it in because like the, this is stuffed a list stuff full of manga adaptations and light novel adaptations so for someone just to go okay i'm making this specifically for this form and and this form alone like that's that's Mm -hmm. a good good thing to 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 have on there something which just enjoys you know it wasn't wasn't based on a manga is do it yourself (laughs) (laughs) that is true that is true but it came out last year so it doesn't count (laughs) well apparently according to duncan's bullshit rules ruining the whole list so let's move on to uh the the five-way four-way tie so we everyone had a different uh third choice uh we have uh ben's choice of inner jeff's choice of jujutsu kaisen Andy's choice of the first slam dunk and my choice of <clears throat> my choice of oh bloody heck I can't do this read my choice of Surune oh god Surune fa- yeah Surune my choice of Surune first or second season second season uh, second so it is much better than the first <laughs> No, that no, that almost made all my list too. Let's. I look forward to talking. So, uh, I H I. So Inoro first, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Um, again, we did a whole podcast on this. Mm. I don't, and we all loved it. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I don't want to belabor my point. It, it's funny that early in the show's history, in this in this podcast history, um, I kind of made a big deal about how I was out of sync with Masakiwasa. Like mind game is fine, but like doesn't really connect with me a lot of his movies i thought were like artistically impressive but kind of this just like grab bag full of just stuff and didn't really have the same kind of plot arc of course part of that was because i haven't watched i had haven't watched ping pong at the time i hadn't watched tatami galaxy so on and so forth but it's also really been nice in the 2020s to watch me get more in sync with him and to have a lot more 
science sar in general and masaki wasa in particular kind of i guess for aging in the same direction maybe that's what's happening um i just love this punk rock take on the foundational myth of of like medieval japan um it's great that it came out and was made in in parallel with Heike Monogatari, one of the one of the best anime of the decade in my opinion and it's just a fun show again about how like cultural movements kind of get turned into history or turned into institutions and to do it in a fun way with this like weird stretched out half dog man dancing mm. and to have it be these this like shamisen heavy like traditional music uh rock opera yeah yeah i but, i can't wait to watch it again but it's weird because it was released in 2021 i watched um, it in 2023 yeah i know i watched bocce the rock in 2023 too i just feel it's hard you, re- you rewatched you rewatched bocce the rock <clears throat> in 2023 I, yeah yeah exactly <laughs> what's the point <laughs> i'm dying on this hill <laughs> yeah you're certainly dead well, someone's dying <laughs> <laughs> i'm just livid that it's not in the list so yeah i i i'm a big fan um and yeah, I, I, I'm happy to bring it up again, even though it was, I made this, for me, end of the year lists have always been a deeply personal thing. And so like this, yeah. this game of gotcha really isn't my, really isn't my bag. But yeah, I, um, I couldn't imagine writing up a list of the things I'd seen this year, whether or not they were released that I'd, uh, that um, wouldn't include Inu O. Um, I feel like it kind of got praised in a bunch of reviews and then just disappeared and I still see people recommend other older Yuasa works instead of it. And I, I think this is by far like an, an order of magnitude, higher quality, at least in terms of how I resonated with it. So. I, no, I, I agree. I, I think especially like people recommend a lot of like Lure Over the Wall. And I feel that that is a good kids film, but I feel that as far as like other Yuasa movies go, it's pretty low down. I agree. I think Inuo uh, is definitely uh, highest in like, Uasa, like best of Canon, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I'll talk about another film that is in the list, even though it was released in 2022. Um, the first slam dunk. I, I'm so glad that this has made your list, Andy, because as hearing you talk it about it, it was like one of like my moments of, of the podcast. Like it's just like yeah, to, yeah. didn't it's expect still, it. <laughs> it still gets to me today. Like I, I like people need to watch this movie to know the scenes that I'm talking about, but there, there is, it is a beautiful movie and I can't quite stress how uh, much it reminded me and made me resent how little I give a fuck about sport <laughs> and how I wish I could do a bit more sport um, because there were people outside the movie <laughs> who, whilst I was waiting for mid to go to the toilet, were talking like so enthusiastically about the direction and, and the motion of them like actually playing basketball that I would not have like even understood or cared about for a second. Mm. Um, it is a great, great movie. And it's not just because they play good basketball, but also because it neatly tells a story of like one character's like troubled heart relationship with his family, how that family ties into basketball, how that, uh, and also like how that family, how those people deal with loss. And it's not a superficial loss that you get in anime. At least you first start watching it and you feel like 
it is it is this is like a fucking red flag like yeah of course the brother's gonna die like i've bit we know this trope before but the way it doubles and triples down on that loss to a point where it's like oh you actually you you don't you emphasize with the main character you emphasize uh with um Ryota and his loss and his pain and Ryota's mother and Ryota's sister and how they all deal with their brother this like missing brother in their family it's heartbreaking it is beautiful it is a fucking incredible accomplishment of a movie mm. uh i can't recommend it enough well if if it's the kind of film which makes you want to know more about, about uh, basketball because it tells such a a good story and has such detail like your recommendation will makes me want to see the first slam dunk it's it's, it's like there's yeah. i think anyone when anyone tells a story with passion like it, it you can't but help engage more and uh like it clearly affects affected you like but, few pieces of of anime have and and so that immediately makes makes me sort of like ears prick up and go okay this is this is worth me watching as soon yeah. as i get a chance definitely and like I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I feel that the the problem is when you're watching a football is that you just see the people on the pitch doing the balls, kickings and runnings and what have you. You don't see the drama behind that. And so I, I don't know if I'll actually care about basketball or any sport as much as these people do, but it's a it, through the, through the lens of a movie, you get to see their struggle and that's what and that's what i find relatable and enjoyable mm-hmm. um it is but yeah by all means we we should watch we should do a, a tween on it because i'd love to hear everyone's reactions yeah. on it because it is maybe, maybe without a shadow it. of a doubt one of the best films i've seen this year and that included the boy in the heron which is also great but was on the runners up <laughs> Mind spoilers was uh, I guess uh, I was surprised not that you didn't throw it on here. That that's what I was really afraid of, Andy. I was was, it's like I've said like I don't know anything about that film. I want to going totally blind, and Andy's going to come on like so. Boy in the heron, full spoilers. (laughs) Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that to you. It it was on the list, Mm -hmm. um, but I I just feel that like I'm I'm an emotional guy. I I go off emotion more than like Mm -hmm. like technical prowess or all that kind of shit um like i could watch a show that is animated like with twigs and if it hits <laughs> if it hits me in a way that uh, affects me then i will rate that over like something that a hundred people spend hours perfectly fine tuning the animation to a t Speaking um, of which, uh, Jeff's uh, uh, choice was something which uh, hundreds of animators uh, were forced to work real freaking hard to. Yeah, <laughs> this is. I genuinely this. I almost. This is another reason why I didn't want to put in put this on the <laughs> list because uh, uh, and it's a shame because season two of Jujutsu Kaisen's fucking nuts. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, probably my most you know cancelable opinion. Uh, that yeah. Jujutsu Kaisen, like you, you could you could see those blood, sweat, and tears on the screen. Like I, I'm not like a huge Shonen Battler fan. I Jujutsu Kaisen remains one of my favorites, regardless. It is a 
Again, I think I've made this joke before like a million times, but it is Naruto but good. <laughs> like the basic. It's nothing um, like, like that. It's the, nothing the, like Naruto. I mean, the basic Absolute. like core well, characters. Mm, Naruto has its strong points, but like. Yeah, because it's good. Yeah, I, I think that <laughs> Jujutsu Kaisen's. I mean, it is. It literally stands for like spirit battle show. So like, of course, if there's not fighting in it, <laughs> you're not going to enjoy it. Um, but the uh, it also it's still, uh, following a similar trajectory where the first season was like chopped up with like some pretty lighthearted like mm. fun episodes, whereas this has just been a brutal mm. two cores, almost too brutal. Um, that is like I every week I make this joke at the chat of like. <laughs> I once again ask you for a baseball episode, please, for the love of God, like let somebody cancel the life or death struggle and just like have everybody go to, uh, you know, have a beach episode or something. It's like, it's getting rough. But even then, like every episode has had like just amazing animation, like really inventive and entertaining fights, like mm. big consequences where you're like, I can't believe yeah. I just fucking saw that happen. And also just, like, genuinely interesting, innovative, like, things happening in supernatural fights, which is, you know, if if, if you can't pull that off in a fighting show like this, like, you've really dropped the ball, and they have not. I'm, you know, it sucks. And, and, and I'm not even going to say it's but, but, like, it, this show, like, we should say this show was made with, like, yeah. <laughs> slave labor and, like, you really need to, like, separate the art from the craft I mean... to... Like really, like enjoy it, but like and like that's just like a fact of the matter. But uh, the thing is, the thing is, the sad thing is though is that this this drama, the if people aren't aware, the the Mappa Studio, the the main directors and some key art, key artists um, have come out and just said like broken, uh, fake, broken all of their like agreed um, like non-disclosure agreements to say how horribly they've been overworked and how much of a like a black company mapper has turned into and how jujutsu kaisen they <clears throat> you know they're finishing manuscripts they're finishing edits uh half an hour before it airs um sort of like stuff you you really don't expect but and you'd hate to hear but to the point where now it's just they're just burning out great animators and yeah. I feel that it has it's it's a gonna be a serious detriment to the anime like anime community and and anime as a whole because there is some beautiful scenes done in Jujutsu Kaisen that are um that we will just we will just lose those animators because they have been burnt out by this show. And if you look at other shows that I know of on this list, like Faven which I feel does not have that similar sort of stress, similar sort of like horrible workplace, but has performed like some of the most beautiful animation I have seen all year in Freyland, uh, especially the latest episode with the ballroom scene, like gorgeous. Like they, they did that and they didn't, but they didn't force people to like ruin their lives because of it. Um, I, I would also say as a side with Jujutsu Kaisen, like, I, I'm not a big fan of the way that they've done it. Um, I don't. I liked the first season. Then Jujutsu Kaisen Zero was good, and then like the Shibuya arc. Then I was just like, it, it just felt too like cutting up before you got back to uh, 
Yuji and Yuji, what's his name? Um, Goji. <laughs> and like the main cast, basically, <laughs> to the point where when they came back, I was like, oh, who are these guys again? It's been like two years and, and I've kind of forgotten <laughs> everything that happens and what is a domain expansion and all this kind of shit. Like, <clears throat> but yeah, it also as a, it feels like uh, they have purposefully like, really gone above and beyond like the animation quality and like the way that these characters in like the, the the ramifications for some of these characters actions are really incredible and and also some of their in some of the stuff that's out of their mm -hmm. control uh is really great i also love how the mangaka slight spoils for the manga um killed gojo at the same time that gojo got imprisoned uh, which caused a mass so in, uh, which caused a mass confusion because which also is a really clever thing because he knew that Gojo dying would be a huge fucking problem and a huge like drama. I'm gonna have to put massive spoilers around this section. <laughs> yeah. it, Andy. It's it's a pretty I'm well known really... thing that this happens by now, <laughs> but like the fact that it came out at the same time he got captured, like really like nullified and confused everybody to the point where i felt that he kind of he kind of managed to murky the waters enough for some people who haven't read the manga not to know um of course now everybody knows so going from so. one studio which is uh treats its employees in an absolute horrible way to one which is kind of renowned for treating its employees well and i'm going to talk about a karani show which is a so <clears throat> Tsunari, uh, The Linking Shot, um, which is the second season of a show about archery. And I, I maybe shouldn't have put this one as high as I did, but I think this basically gets its spot because of the sheer moment-to-moment -moment beauty of the show and the way that beauty is made intrinsic to the the, the narrative it's telling. Like, the the, the definition of a, a Tsunari is that it's basically the sound made when a bowstring hits the bow. So you put that in the twang and all, all that. And mm -hmm. animation can capture a moment like nothing else. So when a show has so much, and a sport has so much focus on this one moment, I, I honestly think it's kind of cheating. Like you're, you're giving it, it's, it, it, it the absolute best uh, base to start from. And this is just an incredibly beautiful show. and. The, I, I, I think the defining style of some of Kiorani's best stuff in recent years has been their the ability to create this sense of light and space like no one else. <clears throat> like this, like light can tell you so much about a scene. Like it can tell you like where someone is, is what time it is, is it can be used to create mood and and all these other things. And it's so easy to overdo it. But this is a show which is generally so careful and uses so much restraint although like i, I have to caveat that, that this is still a show which has a, a moonlit me meeting with a mysterious stranger and his pet freaking owl and so i'm not sure it's entirely <laughs> um something i can call subtle with its visual language but the second season was really special to me because like the first season was, was a good was good solid um, sports anime stuff, but this this uh, 
focused on like this this idea of like this the moment and finding the way finding his his getting getting his jam back <laughs> and learning how to get past target panic and that 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 sort of typical arc and the learning to find the moment again but the second season was like recognition of the simple fact that no moment occurs in isolation it's what precedes and follows it which changes its meaning and it weaved that fully into its story and and so you got it and into the, the mechanics of the sport of as well which uh, for those who don't know uh this target shooting um uh, basically you shoot in order you go one two three four five uh if you're sh sh shooting against uh, an opposing team you alternate and so people can disrupt each other with how they shoot and ben talked quite <laughs> quite extensively about the mechanics of this and it's it's it can it is it's fascinating it's like just how in the same way that first time dunk made andy want to know about basketball this this made me very interested it in just like the beauty of 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 the like this the this this idea like when you create the rules for any sport you you're you are creating like this the, 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 like the famous idea with, with is like you're creating a magic circle like this this you're creating this area where the normal rules don't apply and the what takes over are the rules we have chosen and the the rules which they which which they choose to govern archery you just have this such such an interesting implication on the the characters and and that the way they explored those rules and and used it as a uh lens for the characters and their relationships with each other i thought was was yeah absolutely amazing it was like a, a, a proper flawless koani gem I, I don't know if ben wants to just add anything because he's the one who, who uh, made me want to watch this yeah I, I wish i wish john was here too to speak but um but yeah serena is the linking shot is a great example of a second season that um is not just continuing on the plot, but using what's been developed in the first season um, to make the world feel bigger and make the the possibility space and the ideas that the uh, the show is talking about so much bigger. Because in the first season, it's largely about the main character healing um, from this from this psychological neurological crisis that's caused him to lose touch with basically his only hobby. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> And and so there are other characters, but in the first season, they're mostly just presented as, I guess the the metaphor would be like mirrors at different angles to mm -hmm. see different parts of of what he's going through and the healing process to get him back to normalcy. But in the second season, you have all these characters who are now going through their own personal crises, and you have the bad boy archery squad, who's the <laughs> antagonists, and and how um. And how like they are forcing different characters to like have their own reckoning with archery, which again is everybody's sole hobby in the magic of of a of a sports anime. And I think that yes, the the way that the show depicts archery is as this beautiful, profoundly spiritual, almost transcendental experience um, really helps you buy into this being more than people caring way too much about a sport that it's it's some <laughs> yeah. in some way about life mm. the running metaphor of like the of making a thousand perfect shots is is uh put up there 
and becomes several characters like way of processing what's happening and then it becomes deconstructed it's great um I don't know if they have more to adapt, but it, it definitely vindicates what was like a B, B plus show for me in the first season into mm. like of a piece. And one of those much must watch sports animes where you take something that's like, what's this game? It's just slapping cards. What's this <laughs> game? It's just shooting a bow. What's this game? It's just it's just chess and kind of seeing <laughs> how these people like, I don't know, like create identities through interacting with mm-hmm. this with this habit. Um, I thought a long time about putting Sune on there, uh, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Uh, but yeah. So we've so that was with that we clear our final of the joint fives, and so we're now to our clear number four, which is uh, Jeff's number two, Backy, Backy, <laughs> Backy, <laughs> Backy the Grappler. Yep. Oh yeah, Baki the Baki, Baki the Grappler. Baki, Son of Ogre, season two. Two. I already like talked to you guys years off, like two or three episodes ago. I still feel the same way. I still really like it. I still enjoy the Neanderthal purity of it. I like, I like, <laughs> I like how you you come in saying I don't like Shonen battle mangas, <laughs> and then you then your number three and two are Jujutsu Kaisen and Baki the Grappler. The shonen-ass shonen manga. <laughs> yeah, he wants to show the handicap that they're, that they're operating under. <laughs> uh, like, generally, Jeff, like, I think you, you spoke, like, this was, like, the... the you, for a long time, you told... I remember you speaking hushedly of of like the 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 miso soup scene, uh, uh, which, which you which was like you read in the manga and you were just waiting. How will they nail the miso soup? And the the, the question is, yeah. did they? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think they they managed it. I think they they did a great job. I still I think the the story of like Baki and his dad is paid off perfectly. I think uh, they got across. You know, their their idea, you know, the I think it's the the ultimate expression of like what is like, you know, strength, <laughs> you know, capital S in these kinds of shows. And they did it with imaginary soup. What is the miso soup scene? Is it something to do with like how it looks like shit? Like what is it? So basically the theory of strength in Baki comes down to strength is the ability to make the world do what you want. Like the, basically the ability to impose your will on the world. And after several episodes of just beating the absolute dog shit out of each other, Baki and Yujiro or a, you know, sit down and at an imaginary table and Yujiro prepares him a miso soup, imaginary miso soup that, you know, the world people around the world can swear they see, they can smell because of just his pure strength. And Baki takes a taste and says, it's a bit salty, isn't it? And Yujiro goes, well, you know, what do I know about making soup? And in that moment, he realizes that he has allowed Baki to dictate how, uh, how it goes on. And he acknowledges his son as being stronger than himself. And that is, that's the ultimate, and again, it's. I love it. I think they pulled it off. I enjoyed it. It it, it committed to the bit, and I mean, I will say that in this season, and it's 
a, a problem that the manga has now as because it's pretty much exclusively this where you have this like battle of wills between father and son and also this guy goes into boxing and so like the retsuo kayo the like the Chinese kung fu master, like he he got his leg eaten by a caveman in the last season, and he's like, well, I can't kick anymore, so I guess I'll take up boxing, and so and just for like three or four episodes of like him doing boxing, and it's like, oh fuck off, I don't care about this bullshit, go away, and it that 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 stuff never works because Itagaki also just has like a general fascination with combat sports, and he's just like, I want to talk about boxing while I also do this other stuff, and that's. Part of the package deal with uh, with his work, but I still think that you know this epic tale of intergenerational conflict does get a decently good payoff, and of course, everybody else on the <laughs> fucking planet hates it. Like there was a huge controversy of like this is the dumbest bullshit I've ever heard. This is a betrayal, and I, <laughs> and I also kind of like it for that as well. Let's move on to our final two shows, which only have a single person voting for them. And that is the, the joint third. And so that is uh, the Big O, which is uh, Ben's favorite, <laughs> uh, which is, is the show oh. which I've, I I thought. So this is, which... this is where Bocce the Rock would have come in as well, right? Yeah. But yeah. the Big O yeah. makes it because it is Noted. a 2020 show. I, I, like the fact that it's, no, no, the sheer audacity of, of, of Ben's thing made, made me just, just stutter and mess up then. It's not a 2020 show. It's in a year two thousand show, like this is this is not a, a couple of years off. This is this is twenty. So this is also where I would have talked about Botchy and how much I love that show. And just or... listeners, you can do your own <laughs> fan edit to to make to, and also <laughs> remove all of Andy's whining about about Botchy. And it's also where we're my, gonna we're gonna my... end up with a situation where he has this at the top of his list every year to punish you, Duncan. So we yeah. need to start some. I know some what I was in for right now, and yeah. <laughs> My my number one I mean, was uh, Heaven's Delusion, which uh, also no one else put on the list. Um, so let's just go uh, with the big O first, um, and let's hear about this. Uh, what made a sh- show from twenty three years ago stand out so much? Yeah, yeah. So um, the pa- the th- one of the themes of the past few years is that hey, Sunrise was was making some pretty good stuff in the in the nineties and early two thousands. <laughs> Um, just because I felt that I wasn't a, a Mecca fan, besides the obvious exception of Evangelion for so many years, I ignored it. But it turns out that they were just just killing it one after another. Uh, and I think the biggest example of this, and incredibly something I haven't, I don't appear to have talked about on the podcast at all, um, probably because I finished it at the end of last year slash beginning of this one, and it kind of got caught up in the mix, is The Big O. Uh, a... <laughs> a uh, mid-century styled neo-noir by the crew that had previously been working on Batman the Animated Series and brought over a lot of the, the, the noirish design elements from there, directed by the Those Who Hunt Elves guy and written by Chiaki J. Konaka, who before this was shitting out... Uh, <laughs> The awful plot to Bubblegum Crisis Tokyo 2040, uh, which is notable historically as the first anime to copy 
the ending for Evangelion, but definitely not the last. And after this, he'd go on to write Technolize, which is a fine anime, but very dark, very brutal, very violent. And so to have this kind of weird show where everyone dark city style lives lives with having lost their memories 40 years ago and they've reinvented all technology and there's giant robots that attack the city that this weird kind of like douchey phoenix Wright type guy like who's otherwise a professional to go it's just a bizarre pastiche uh he's got a cool girl friday who's a who's a robot who can run really fast and is really heavy and moves on that it's just it's hard to explain what's great about Big O because it's just it's this bizarre stew and it reminds me a lot of Escaflone um, insofar as it feels like a dead end that got overshadowed because Evangelion became the norm for how we do ah. like postmodern anime uh, about robots and Big O and Escaflone were also doing that. But Big O is extremely obscure and i mean like evangelion is obviously obscure too escafloni to a certain extent uh with the whole uh isaac newton being the bad guy sorry spoilers for escafloni <laughs> fucking deal uh it's been like <laughs> it's been almost three decades yeah, just watch escafloni it won't it won't matter that isaac newton is the bad guy but just yep. to point out the like general intellectual coherency of the show but um, but the big O is is baffling. People talk in metaphor. A lot of the cases don't make sense and resolve in kind of strange ways. And there's definitely this kind of like sleepwalking sense to it. And it's also looks amazing. Uh, the characters are great. It is just that dying era before DigiPaint kind of removed all of the all of the uh, institutional artistry of like these late stage hand painted cells. Um, I can't recommend it enough. I'm going to sound like a moron trying to sell it to you no matter what. But if you would like to see, uh, watched, if you would like to see some. Phoenix Wright meets Batman uh, piloting a giant uh, robot um, <laughs> with his girl Dorothy to fight a robot whose name is Dorothy Dorothy, uh, <laughs> then yeah, it's that's got, the first episode. <laughs> it's it's kind of like got a campiness to it as well. Yes. Right? Yeah. Like, ev ev everyone's it's like this. Is it like kind of steampunky as well? Yeah. There's yeah, a lot of I've, vacuum tubes. So I guess like, yeah, that's sort of that era of and, punk stuff. <laughs> and it also feels like it came out again, like you said, like early 2000s, it came out in a time where it's like, you just do a mecha show and it'll big, it'll be big and you'll make money no matter what. Um, unless. And, <laughs> unless. But big, because oh, I know Big O, like you, you make yeah. it sound like Big O isn't well known. I disagree. I think it is well known. I don't know if it's necessarily beloved or it's like revered, but it's certainly a known anime. Yeah, I, um, I mean, it, I, I would characterize it as a cult hit and that the people yeah. who know it tend to love it, but it definitely is seen like it's the sort of show where on anime forums and people are like, I'm really into robot anime. What should I watch? And someone's like, you got to watch Big O. And it's like, I want to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Let them watch War in the Pocket or... <laughs> something else like don't don't throw them in the deep end with with this weird guy who is like a professional negotiator and then we get into like the nature of re of constructed reality and all this other like late stage robot shit like mm. I, I do think it's definitely like an anime fans anime and that yeah. sort of cult classic there like you're not gonna yeah. if it's your first show you and you like it you're either weird or you 
Yeah. I don't know. It's didn't like, understand yeah. it probably. <laughs> it's, it's interesting to go and look on on Annie DV for its its year and, and see like its contemporaries are things like Excel Saga, Jinro, Hunter, the first <laughs> season of Hunter Hunter, the first season of One Piece, gr- gr- Great Teacher Onizaki, the 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 Ronin, Ronin Kenshi uh, OVAs. Like the, the, this this it's definitely of an that's that's a very definite era like. I, I I think of uh, the, the Kenshin OVAs as like like Ben was saying like the last four hours of, of cell animation before uh, DigiPaint really comes along and, and starts doing its thing, and it's and it's definitely something that you pick up if you have been having an anime podcast since <laughs> roughly mid twenty fifteen. Like I made my girlfriend watch a couple of episodes of Utena um, for for unrelated reasons, and I'm like, oh, this looks so amazing, and she's like, you keep saying that, it just looks old. I'm like, well, yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that's I mean, what yeah, I mean. But old, but old is good. <laughs> like, what am I supposed to do? I don't know. So, so yeah, I don't necessarily, like, for different reasons than Jeff with Girlfriend, Girlfriend, I don't necessarily recommend that you go out and see Big O. But if you want to, if you're tired of watching the same old shit, if you're tired of describing yourself as not a fighting anime fan and yet your top five has three fighting anime in it or what have you, <laughs> then maybe check out Big O um, to see... To see some shit. And I don't know, like, at the end of the day, why I got into anime as a specific, like, genre, medium, what have you, is because you see stuff here that you, well, I mean, recently, Western animation has, like, been catching up in terms of flights of fancy, mm-hmm. but I don't think that anything like Big O would ever come out of here, especially, like, going overseas to, like, not going overseas, but, like, making an overseas cartoon about some goofy rich man who dabbles in crime fighting and then coming back and being like, okay, so we're going to use all of these materials and a lot of our spare ideas to make a giant robot anime. It's just a bizarre (laughs) cultural fusion that I am just delighted it exists, and so it got number one, even though maybe some of my items are objectively better um this one's fucking weird this one's why i watch anime to like discover this and just be like hey have you seen big o and people are like oh yeah it's pretty good but, but um, yeah but you, then you'll be that person <laughs> yeah. harassing people on, on twitter <laughs> and so i guess it's time for my number one which is uh tengoku daimakyo uh, which is heaven's delusion heavenly delusion uh, heavenly yes, heaven. good point uh uh, which uh, which you would have had a lot of trouble finding uh, if you looked on Disney Plus and were, were looking for the, the its English title because for inexplicable reasons they've decided to, to to stick with the well no no they're not inexplicable reasons they're perfectly dumb reasons though yeah <laughs> it's um, just a translation thing it doesn't yeah. really make sense but yeah I I love this it like it it walked me through like this intricate and like satisfying arc within it, its season and managed to end on a point which both felt like a, a natural rest point in its story. And I think more than anything else this season made me really want another season. Like <laughs> it was one of those things where they like, they, I think they had an idea of what they wanted to do and they didn't put a foot wrong. It like it had, it told this story of like two people forging friendship in the mess of like a post apocalyptic world and like while in parallel like introducing an, an another entire group of people whose fate is tied to theirs within this like clinically sealed world and the the, the, the genius of of like this as a as a story is that when you start off it's a lot of the the vibe is about the mystery of the the world and like what has happened and by the end 
that feels far less important than the characters and why it's happened. Like the the unease and uns, uns, uncertainty has moved from what's going on to to the why. And this this understanding, like it, it that the, the like this the the big the big old cliche that like something doesn't have to be supernatural to be monstrous. Like the the most horrific things which happen in in this show are not done by these the really strange creatures which we see throughout its its run but by the 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 people and that ability to craft both design and character just really stood out for me and i i loved the the, the tension that it it gave the world like it's a, a show which has a lot of a, a pre preoccupation with um identity and i don't know if it, if this is, is 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 like why it happened but it has this really great sense of um no character you see on screen even just incidental characters walking past on the street feels like a, a template like it's so common in, in even the best produced animes for you you have a, a big street scene and every every other person feels like a copy and paste in this like every person you encountered feel felt like an individual and i think it had to do that because so much of the narrative tension was based on this idea that an implied resemblance between two people could have big narrative complications and so they had to be spot on with making it everyone feel like an individual because when you notice like like i know i do this in particular but like overanalyzing and think oh why does that character look like another character hmm hmm i wonder what this means and like for them to be like okay we see you there we're, we're going to make sure that only the characters who do resemble each other do have a connection. Don't worry. Don't worry. We're not going to sell you any false things by just reusing a character and plopping a different haircut on them. It's it's okay. We we understand. And well, like it's they're such great characters as well. Maru and Kiriko are just like this this great axis for the series to turn on. Like this perfect encapsulation of young adults trying to decide who they are and. For this post-apocalyptic setting to be like important in that aspect, because it completely removes the the things which help us get through our own uh, most of our own adolescences. It's got no; they have no family or society to like teach them what it is to be an adult or to be an individual. They're just in a this vacuum where they have to make it up as they go along. And see them seeing them do that is is really endearing as as they like like get as they tr start to trust each other more and, and start to rely on each other more. And I, I, I thought it was, was like, I think post-apocalyptic road trips are a bit, a bit of a cheat code because it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> shared adversity, all that. Like, it's, it's, it's certainly something anime has done with things like uh, Kino's Journey and uh, Girl's Last Tour. And I, th I think this this was nice to, to recognize that the, the 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 that it's not just what they're encountering; it's what they don't have. It's it's that lack of society, that lack of family, that that lack of of people to help them uh, form their identity. And that, and then in contrast to that, you've got this sealed world, this this the, the lab, and that's another thing that um, 
I think sci-fi anime does a lot, but generally does bad. Things like uh, Promised Neverland and Darling in the Franks, where they resort to like melodrama and individuals of extraordinary talent to break the constraints of these constructed worlds. And instead here, we have absolute best girl, Mimihime, who <laughs> basically uses kindness and empathy to push back against the system which is controlling the the lives of her and her 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 fellow uh i'm not sure if you, uh, how do, how do you describe them are they inmates are they uh <laughs> i mean you say that but like the thing that really started off their breakout was a person who could climb up a wall <laughs> to go into a fence and then touch a weird baby thing uh-huh <laughs> <laughs> like there are people with powers that but it's it's her it's her who actually he pushes back against the th things that should put in place to to stop them like the, these psychological suggestions like these things which which are put, which, which are put there to scare them to to stop them going outside like she's the one who first like comforts another a person who's scared by that and who first like encourages we we can do this and that, it's it's not going to end horrifically Spoiler, it ends horrifically. Um, poor Mimihimi. Poor, poor Shiro, because that, that, was, that was extremely sad, sad little arc, um, which was, at the, I think you and I agreed at the time, Andy, like that they, they handled that particular arc masterfully, like, because mm. it's a show which has so much mysteries and it resolves it with just this giving of a button from one person to another, and it's like, oh, everything slides into place click 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 <laughs> oh that's, that's and and not only not only that it's just it's an absolute bummer it's not a it's not a happy moment it's a happy moment no. it's a happy moment for them but for the audience it's like this bittersweet moment because yeah. you're like oh yeah they, they've had this moment this wonderful moment of connection between them but that makes you realize who they are in another part of the story and like like that melancholy yeah. was just wonderful one like yeah, wonderful it, storytelling it was really good i I feel that like your argument about, you know, it's not the enemies outside, but the enemies are the humans all along is a very common survivor mm -hmm. trope. Yeah. Um, I feel the big thing that really got me was the trust aspect. Mm -hmm. Hiroko was much more willing to believe in the trust of a man that he met, she met once as opposed to a man who followed her throughout thick and thin. And uh, that came to bite her in the ass in the end in a really horrible and distressing way. He, I mean, if we're talking about Robin, he did he did help raise her, but let's not get into that. This is this is this is not but, the, the yeah. Thing. But yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, trust is a big part of that, and and any show where identity is 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 fluid has that extra mm. uh, extra thing of like, is a person who they seem to be literally, or is a person, or even worse. Did you just completely misjudge a person? Is a person just not the the person you thought they were? And it's just maybe they're a psychopath, and like that's a it's a very scary thought to have. And like I think that's an in, it's an interesting to have that part of that perspective comes from a man maybe at the point of transitioning to becoming a woman realizes a, uh, another man who he previously trusted is in fact like this huge is this soci almost sociopathic threat to hit to them and yeah like there's there's certainly social comment in there um i, I 
Yeah. They should have stayed in the weed farm. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> uh, who who should not? Uh, it seemed like a happy place. Um, uh, everyone else was having a great time. Yeah, they were. They... <laughs> and with that, uh, we'll take a little play and come back with yeah. what the shows everybody loved. Yeah, or, our actual overlap. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> And we're back. What are the last three, Duncan? The so final got, three. We have a, uh, a tie for second place uh, with two shows, both of which was one person's second <laughs> place and one person's uh, fifth place. We have uh, The Dangers of My Heart, which uh, was Andy's uh, second place and Ben's uh, fifth place. And we have Vinland Sargo, mm -hmm. which was Ben's second place and my fifth place. So let's start with some danger of, of the... Romantic kind. Yeah, start with some heart dangers. Danger, there's <laughs> dangers in my heart. It's really, a, the, the title's annoying. <laughs> it's a fucking good show. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Sometimes you get a, uh, a romance comedy that just so perfectly nails the romance, the feeling of like young love, new love, blossoming love into a way that just gets you like feeling excited and and wanting to watch more of this show and uh the dangers in my heart does that expertly um watching uh Kyoto Ichikawa and uh Yamada like fall slowly in love with each other over this first season is an absolute delight uh to be had to be to watch uh having that last shot of Ichikawa like having all these books, using it as like her sh his shield, his weird shield to make sure that nobody gets close to him because he doesn't want to be hurt. And then Yamada coming and like breaking that was like such a beautiful, touching moment to end the first season. Um, that I then went and read all the manga that I could, which was like <laughs> about about 150 chapters, and I read it in about a weekend. It's an absolute fucking delight. Uh, the season two is next month as well, which, mm -hmm. which Duncan permitting will probably be on my list too uh, for next year. So, you know, <laughs> watch I mean, out. You, you, you thought about it this year, so that doesn't count then. That's <laughs> a God and uh, wills yeah, of Duncan. Uh, <laughs> um, Duncan's in so heaven, yeah. right, with the world. <laughs> ruining my fucking list um, <laughs> yeah sorry sorry i love i love the show too i'm the other guy so so please pick it back up where we left it i love i do yeah so and it, and it doesn't skimp on the animation the animation is really nicely done that the timing of all like these like confessions these feelings of love that they he has over her and the admittance of like them falling together like into love together it's just beautifully done it's just a great fucking coming of like teen coming of like like uh coming of age show mixed with comedy mixed with angst mixed with like with a really beautiful cute love story and you just can relate to them it's it's great i love it so much uh and yeah the manga goes sorry uh, 
No, 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 no. I'm glad to know that there's more of a runway, though. But, um, but yeah, like, so I think that the main reason that Andy and I both have this so high is because it's because it has a shadow self lurking in the background <laughs> named Rent-A-Girlfriend, where oh, yeah. you, again, have this weird gremlin dude and this, like, seemingly perfect, like, turbo woman, uh... I hope that's not the title for this episode. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, uh, it, it's it's a lot of the same setup options, but uh, but rent a girlfriend is so miserable. It reminds me of what I was saying with do it yourself. Of like, why are these people friends? Like, I don't mm -hmm. want I don't want Kazia and Chizuru to end up together. They are awful for each other. I don't believe that they actually like each other. They like the ideas of how the other person makes them feel, and they like that they have the shared history. And so to to for me, I binged. Uh, I binged the dangers in my heart uh, over the course of just over a week, and it's amazing. And it, these characters mm -hmm. seem to like each other. The weird stuff is not just fodder for comedy when they're not having the like soft focus, um, like tilt shifted moment of them like realizing how much they care for each other. They just like each other for the weird ass characters who are also part of the comedy, and it's so. It's so indicative of how a good rom-com will make every piece feel like it belongs, even the dumb mm. comedy, even the misunderstandings, because they all build towards something as opposed to Rent-A-Girlfriend, where it feels like the show that's constantly throwing roadblocks in front of these two assholes, and the show where Kazi's like, oh, she's the most pretty woman in the world, and I'm going to want to date her someday, but she thinks I'm trapped. Like, there's yeah. no, there's no, there's no misharmony there's no there's no ludonarrative dissonance or whatever we call it <laughs> i'm gonna whatever we call it in anime when you're not playing um you're just watching but you feel helpless and like you're being held hostage by these dumb people and their bad love but uh yeah i really like it i have checked six times since watching <laughs> when when the next season's gonna come out because i had it in my head it was gonna come out this year which wouldn't that be great but no it's gonna be there waiting for me next Next year, they've already screened the first two episodes as a movie because why that's not? anime nowadays. Why not? That's, that's, that's anime anime. <laughs> we, we Okay, so we've screened the first episode as a movie, then we show the whole show, then we do a recap movie of the show they just watched, and you can get three times the content out of the same thing. Uh, but but yeah. there's also <laughs> the, the little Twitter shorts as well. That oh, yeah. Doing. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm watching yeah, the, the Freerin ones, and they're I'm not pretty mad, funny. Because like, the Twitter it's, shorts are great. But... Just, just a quick aside that the Freerin shorts are just like different useless spells she's collected and them trying to figure out how to use them. Like they, uh, they're like, oh, spells that <laughs> remove alcohol from from beer, and they're like, oh, this is pretty good. And they're like, oh, it doesn't change the flavor at all. And they're like, oh, we'll surprise, uh, we'll surprise, uh, the priest guy. And then he comes in, he's like, what's wrong with this beer? And as he tries it, and it's just, yeah, it's very, <laughs> very relatable. But anyway, yeah, I love Dangers in My Heart. I cannot wait to watch more. Um, it's nice mm. to know that like rom com animes are not doomed to be frustrating bullshit. We're the people don't actually seem to like each other that much mm -hmm. so yeah yeah and, and it's more. also it's also worth noting like the great thing about uh yamada as well like is she's not perfect she oh, actually has too. a lot she actually has a lot of flaws and it's really sweet like them like seeing each other's flaws and then still liking them because of it or maybe like, uh -huh. but in ichikawa's like despite of his own flaws and i feel that that is very indicative to love um it is and you know knowing where the manga goes you're gonna have a great second season 
I'm not quite sure where it will end. I don't. I hope it ends in the Kyoto arc because that'll be fucking amazing. But if when I'm the weird being... bandage guy comes and he wants to like <laughs> prove that there is no such thing as heroic nonviolence. <laughs> Sorry, uh, joke joke for the real anime fans out there. <laughs> I mean, uh, but but yeah, no, there's it's, there's a there's a lot of good stuff coming on, and yeah. I, uh, of all the things I'm glad that I've watched uh, this year, this is one of them. I... It's a rule. It's a rule to never be burnt. It's it's sorry. It's it demonstrates to you that you should never be burnt out on a genre because mm-hmm. what you've probably been doing is watching trash, and you need to watch something <laughs> actually good. But you People need to watch out. The trash to appreciate the good stuff. It, uh, that's the it's the condition of of humans everywhere. <laughs> Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm the sin eater. You people don't need to watch that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Nerd, well, ner- also... Nerdy men watch trash. Trash makes strong men. Strong <laughs> men watch good shit. Good shit makes nerds. It's but, the cycle. But also, like from the comedy angle, going back to the hundred girlfriends who really, really love you, like that is the comedy side of the rom com done to the fucking nines as a and this is the rom part of the rom-com like the dangers in my heart is the rom part mm-hmm. done to the fucking yeah. nines and uh they're both great anyway anyway speaking of kyoto arcs uh and pacifism uh the other one is the second season of vinland saga and if you'll think back to whatever episode we talked about vinland saga season one speaking of season ones i wasn't that into or just found as kind of interesting genre exercises that blow up into these like amazing philosophical cross-sections of human experience vinland saga season two takes a character who is broken by the events of vinland saga season one someone who just seems like a wastoid an empty human who has just like lost his ability to enjoy anime i mean sorry it lost his ability to (laughs) to fight for causes um and yeah i we talked again at length with this. I, I've, I've been trapped in that every single entry except for Big O. I've, I've been at least 20 minutes on the record talking about it. And I am aware that I talk too much in this podcast anyway. But yeah, just rebuilding, rebuilding, uh, <sighs> how to like rebuilding Thorfinn as a, as a human, right, having him meet the people he's wronged, having him realize the profound futility of violence and then having it be compared to uh canute um who think who's just still at his bullshit still thinks that you can kill enough people to make a perfect world and contrasting these two and having that culminate in them confronting again after years and one man is a king now and one man is a slave even though in their previous meeting the the power relationship was almost reversed and having just the amazingness of 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 Thorfinn's philosophy now where no man is my enemy um any any force that makes us fight instead of cooperate as human beings who just want to be happy and eat and live good lives um that is something to be rejected and to make that seem sincere and not just mm-hmm. Bruce Lee emerging from the room in a white robe or Luke Skywalker now in all black being like, I don't fight people anymore except when I cut the shit out of a bunch of Jabba the Hutt's henchmen, that sort of thing. <laughs> like it's very easy to have a, to have a hero action hero, have a pacifist turn. Um, but, but for Thorfinn to do it in the way he did and for the, the show to be so on board with that in the same year that we got Trigon stampede, which uh. 
has nothing but scorn for pacifism and thinks of it as naive and obviously a product of youth and inexperience rather than a product of seeing that like you can kill you can kill everybody and there will still be new people who who sprout up to disagree with you and it's about empathy like pacifism is the true expression of empathy Mm -hmm. at least in in the the world of vinland saga where we've only seen reasons for people to fight and to hate each other so yes i i've thought about it all year and i'm happy to bring it up again it's it's a great show and it's in particular it's it's really rare to see a work which such a perfect response to itself like this 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 like andy's saying like before about you you have to uh, watch the trash to enjoy the good rom-com well (laughs) you have to have the 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 shonen trappings of, of season one of vinland saga to see how it systematically has thorfinn undergo the consequences of his actions and just slowly come to his principles and convictions and for those to be not easy for pacifism not to be easy like for even the most principled stand which can produce reflection in others another time result in someone harm being harmed because of his inaction like it's not always an easy win like it's not always going to produce the outcome he wants but he does it despite that like it's despite its imperfections despite the fact that sometimes seems it will not make him any happier despite it's it's a conviction to do the right thing because it's the right thing not because it will produce the result he wants and and that and that his happiness isn't worth taking away other people's happiness and that a lot of the problems in the world come from seeing happiness as a zero-sum game where you can make yourself happy by taking something away from someone else and the rejection of that in the course of the second season it's, it's, this is the only show on, on, on my list which I can like throw any sort of production quibbles at and the fact that it's still up there considering how fussy I'm about <laughs> these sort of things like speaks volumes on the, it, the quality of its its storytelling and like just the the conviction that it has has behind all that and like yeah this just this wonderful slow burning examination of how our views are constructed and tested. I was so worried about this at the start of the season then like because I, I, I love this arc in, in the manga and I was like it's going to be so difficult to nail this it's going to be so difficult to get this feeling right and to get the performances from the, the cast which can get across these things because it's easy to write all this stuff <laughs> yes yeah but it, it's difficult to express it and I, I think the cast did great like Thorfinn's uh, uh, VA and uh, did a good did a good job taking this character who had previously basically just screamed at things and and t- taking him into this this quietly spoken and person who's just afraid of himself almost at times and and Einar this 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 optimistic um, person who who yet has this like deep abiding sadness which he struggles to like justify like, keeping going in, in to get past and and in, partic- in particular uh, Arnhel had as um yeah I was going to bring her up this character who to both Thorfinn Aina and and I think the show becomes like this this almost beacon of of peace and and 
calm within the, everything that's going on and everyone looks up to her and, and thinks of her as like this not not quite a perfect woman but like yeah like this but what we what's just shown is like that's that's just almost shell shock like she's just had to make this decision to to cut herself off from her emotions and it's only when she's forced to re revisit those again we, we see an, a side of herself that she hasn't let herself have and yeah like just that that character just the actress who had the, the just the range to really like just do this perfectly calm and do this absolute depth of despair at the same time was just amazing performance and uh, shout out to um uh, Mayumi Sako uh, for for that. Who seems like she does most of her work as a um, as a dub actress for Western movies. She's like Scarlett Johansson, Rachel McAdams, Numi Rapace's voices uh, in different movies. Um, and yeah, maybe that is something she brought. Maybe it's just the the power of the production. But yeah, this is something where on paper it's a good turn, but in execution it's even better. It even kind of fixes some of my issues with the first season, especially how uh, Ashkelad revealed himself to like near the end of the show seemed to be making a lot of mistakes. And then in this, in the next season, he's there as like, Hey, I'm the smartest, most violent guy, you know, and all I did was fuck up and die in the end. Like you, <laughs> you can't hope for a better outcome if you live a life of violence than the one that I had. And even so, uh, so yeah, I, um, the more I think about it, the more I see what a triumph it is. And it's one of those shows where you kind of, you're excited to watch the next episode, but you kind of dread it because there's so much suffering, but it really does impose a, a moral and even a, a cosmological framework on it that is satisfying. Is It's nice to just watch an anime where someone profoundly believes in something that's not friendship um, <laughs> or justice oh. in this kind of generic way. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's Unfortunately, that's just part of what makes it a tour de force is here's someone whose whose profound belief is at the basic level not doing the cool thing and they make that this this powerful impressive stance so yes yeah embrace a more holistic uh vision of human bonds are good actually <laughs> <laughs> yes that like you can't only believe in friendship you have to not kill the people who are assholes towards you for <laughs> you to really believe in something <laughs> So, so that just leaves us what? Yeah. So after reminiscing about the past year, it's wholly appropriate we say, let's talk about the present. Let's talk about the recency bias and Frey Eren beyond Jernsey End or Sosono Eren. Like the, the Titan who just has just come in and been picked by multiple people, everyone apart from Ben. Uh, ben, Ben, the iconoclast. I explained uh, my, I explained my rationale. I don't, I don't care. I mean, I would have put it on there. I literally had a moment where I'm like, I woke up in the middle of the night. I was like, Freren, Freren and Apothecary dies. I'm like, no, actually, I, I won't do, I won't do shows that I haven't finished yet. Maybe they'll really fuck it up and they'll just really shit the bed. Anyway, anyway, enjoy talking about this. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I felt, I felt the same way as you, Ben. Actually, but I just thought like. It's so good. And it's really fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that it's an again like like Oshinoko. It, it started off with like dropping four episodes at once, but unlike Oshinoko, I, I felt that it didn't need to do that at all. Uh, it is an absolutely beautiful show that slowly peels back Freyden's recollection of Himmel and Eisen and Heiter 
uh, and the people that she has lost and realize what she has lost whilst looking forwards at Stark and Fern uh, and also Stein as well, the, the new the, the new party member uh, and sort of seeing their love, their relationship blossom and realizing that she had all of that and she didn't, she, but she just didn't realize it was there. Partly because she was too young, partly because she was too immature to appreciate what she had. Um, and it's absolutely, it's both heartbreaking and uh, beautifully melancholic seeing this anime unfold. Uh, I absolutely love it. It's, it's unbelievably good. And the only, re and I put it down low. I think I was like third or fourth on my list uh, because I, I didn't want yeah, to. Yeah, it's your fault. Like you said, once they crap the bed in episode 26. Um, but I feel that the production is strong enough, the quality is yeah. strong enough that they probably won't. <laughs> like, um, yeah, it's it's great. It's a tour de force of what makes what makes anime unique as well. Because so many shows are interested in the hero's journey. So many shows are interested in fucking people destroying the demon lord, and there being like a, a final resolute story, and, and nothing nothing in the West is doing something as so reflective and so like chill as Feyren. Nothing yeah. is doing if, the Feyren story. Yeah. As someone who has read a lot of anime, not anime, <laughs> as someone who's read a lot of fantasy novels, especially like shit fantasy novels back when I was <laughs> like 13 and had infinite time mm -hmm. there, it the, <laughs> the emotional, consequences of the insane longevity of the elven race outside of tolkien is largely unexplored like mm -hmm. i would say maybe some forgotten realm novelizations from the 80s handle like isn't it weird that you can save the world and then you can still be alive 500 years later and no one remembers or cares that you saved the world uh so just to have this show which is just a breakout hit like my facebook and all my social media is just covered with just like frayer and shit and mm. I'm I'm happy to to see like how deep they're willing to dig on this topic. And it's even there was a, a this week an anime article on um on Anime News Network where they talk about a little bit about their discomfort with the demons as this like fundamentally predator race who could who are just antisocial and and sure there's a lot of weird stuff that you can or can't interpret there but just the ability that people are able to dig in that much and argue like is this just a plot device to show like Freren's hesitance for like meeting new people or is this a is this a allegory about a certain race of people consciously unconsciously it's just when it's a meaty show like that and you can talk about the characters as real people with real needs mm -hmm. um and talk about their mistakes and not have the conversation bleed over into mistakes in the writing or directing or performances. I just think that that just shows what a powerful show it is. And like y'all picked it. I didn't. So I should let y'all talk more, but, but um, no, no, I mean, we've all watched it. It's, it's, it's stupendous. And it's, it's wild that this is happening the same year as a same season as apothecary diaries, which mm -hmm. is also wildly um, great. Just absolutely good. unbelievably yeah. good. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And, and we have we had, and we have a whole lot of other core of both. Yeah. Who could even who could even eat this well in the other season? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean who who let who I mean as long as Duncan Let lets us have this in the next year's top five as well, this will be <laughs> Well, I apparently won't be I'll be the only person who's not a hypocrite if I do pick it. So you're welcome. 
Um, for for me, it was my number one just because of the the sheer quality of it, and because I thought I should have something on here that was on my list that was actually good without reservations. <laughs> <laughs> the no, and, I mean, and like what you guys are saying is like absolutely spot on. Like it manages to have like the very chill kind of like slow life like trend that's been in a lot of like trashier worse fantasy shows while still grappling with like more interesting themes more interesting like ideas you know the fact that you know Freyren's anhedonia almost is the result of her cutting herself off to make herself a more effective weapon against the demons like that was what her master Flamai had envisioned from the beginning of like, you're going to be my weapon against the demon King. And it turns out to be, you know, accurate what, you know, what she has to sacrifice to be successful in this war against these fundamentally inhuman creatures. But, you know, the cost to herself is also revealed to be so great that she doesn't even realize she was in love despite having been like you say, Oh, she's young and immature, but it's almost, you know, she was robbed of an ability to, you know, to become a proper person through her training, through her, you know, her species, like long life and her, you, you can know, legitimately say she's a child soldier. Yeah. Like, I, I don't, I don't see that at all. Personally, but, I don't, I don't, I don't have that reading of her. But again, it's, continue. it's a, it's a workable reading. Yeah. Yeah. But the show is also not about throwing a pity party and making you feel bad about it. It's about her, mm. you sort of, you know, joining her in like taking joy in the lives of the people around her and learning how to do that more effectively. And also just exploring this world that they've created, which is like a really just nice, solid, grounded uh, fantasy world that is genuinely enjoyable to be in. Like it's got... It doesn't like go too crazy with, you know, the high concepts or anything like that. Like this is like standard like Lodos War kind of like this is just D and D ass stuff, but it still manages to be fresh and it still manages to be a hell of a lot of fun. And it's just impossible not to recommend it to anybody who even has like a passing interest in anime. Mm. Oh, I've I've yeah. been I've been so annoying at so many parties thus far, thanks <laughs> to being the holiday person. Just like just like hearing someone mention that they've ever watched anime i'm like okay so there's this one it's airing right now it's about like an an elf who saved the world like decades ago and they're like oh that sounds interesting i guess and i'm like no no really like don't blow me off this is this is really good this, this isn't like super good shit but i Tell mean your friends it, it, yeah it, i mean it it does tap into that very unique anime thing of like the comfy show the the, the like your non non bioris your do it yourselves your uh, you know, like it, it has that element of that relaxing comfort show, but then also has this like so many layers of of interesting things that you can delve into, uh, and then also just the memeability of Freyren as well. Like, I think if it wasn't for the amount of Freyren memes, which, memes, which one I sent you guys whilst I was whilst I was in the break, like, there's some good shit out there. It's yeah, it's like. And it, and it's all because of just how great a production it is. Um, I and, and like so many little things, like every every uh, opening sort of episode or like half an episode, always starts with like a year a date from when mm -hmm. Himmel dies, and it's so 
it's so beautiful. It's such an indication of Freyren's mindset of like, this is when the most important things happen in my life. Yeah, it it's it has this beautiful symmetry of like inspiration and how it's working in the story itself because like 28 years from the death of Himmel the hero is something that I've seen dozens of times in actual medieval manuscripts not specifically those phrases but like you know mm-hmm. like 18 years after this event happened and so like it's the fundamentally like backward looking nature of medieval history but but rearranged into the story of maybe grief maybe regret uh, maybe damage and like healing like it the, the fact that like i think the memes are everywhere i think you're completely right andy but i also think it's just because freyren feels like a real person which mm. is funny because she's a thousand year old elf who remembers <laughs> the beginning of magic so like <laughs> so that's quite an accomplishment and fern and stark and what's his face the new guy uh saying <laughs> <laughs> new guy will be <laughs> forever in my head who's just even more of a depraved priest than uh Heiter yeah. was uh it's it's just they all seem like they all seem like real people they all have real interactions and like they're kind of co-workers in a very plausible way co-workers <laughs> slash mentor mentee like it's fern still doesn't really like stark and they've, they're having more and more moments of intimacy but these things happen slow and again this is the refrain that i say every time it's nice to have two core anime back so that people don't have to become friends between episodes three and seven so that the ending can happen at a timely at a timely date like it's nice that we can just like fern still doesn't like stark he's st- she still thinks he's kind of a creep and a loser and they've started to have like more more positive interactions but it'll take time and we'll, we have to learn these characters and that's what, that's what's great about this show yeah. in part. Also like going back to the demon thing with Aura, like it was very nice and satisfying. Like the, the power creep thing is like a fan, another sort of like fancy element that I think a lot of like it, it's pain. It's annoying when it comes up when it's done badly or when it's yeah. just like, you know, like it doesn't feel deserved, but seeing Feyren's sort of do it, I don't know. It was satisfying. I think bad of you. <laughs> no, no. I like, cause I just think of like, uh, that time I got reincarnated as a slime where like, I think my f- yeah. moment of final disconnection was just like, Oh, Rimuru is the most powerful being on the planet right now. So mm. I'm not really as invested as in the rest of his story, but they've pretty, pretty definitively shown that, Freyrin is at least in the top five of like (laughs) people who are most able to kill the most other people if they really wanted to. Mm. And it's not boring because she already defeated the Dark Lord. This isn't Mm. like a monopolar rivalry between like the most powerful good guy and the most powerful bad guy. It doesn't matter that she's powerful. She still is this like emotionally stunted weirdo who thinks that a make naked potion is a good gift to give to a young man uh, in the most memeable moment in the entire show so far. <laughs> I mean, that, that and her kiss, I think. Yes, and the kid that you... But yeah, like oh, when the, when they have the demons talking amongst themselves, and they're like, "I'm pretty sure that was like Freyr and the Slayer," and you, it's revealed that she is this like legendary, yeah. like villain in the demon's own worldview. Was 
that was, that was a nice little detail that again is not like overly belabored by any means Duncan, what are your thoughts? You've been very quiet and you also voted for this. I think the thing is like, in, in a weird way, I'm in a similar position to you, Andy, in that I've, when I first drew up my, my long list, like this was a lot lower down than it ended up, but there's been more episodes since I started the list and they, they pushed it up. <laughs> like it just keeps <laughs> keeps getting better and it won't let me put it in a low rank. It's it's just, I, I think it's it's just so, such an un, unusual show in structure as well. Like, Mm-hmm. It, 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 it is like a clear first and second half to most episodes and mm. sometimes those are completely different stories sometimes they're they're two halves of a a complete story sometimes they're just this little little bits within a, a much longer story but Sometimes, like in a show, the mid credits pop up when you're watching it on streaming, and it's like, okay, well, that came from nowhere, but I guess that's where the advert break was. This, as this show has just such a clear middle to every episode, it's it's mm. it's it's strange that it's that that it has that this such a clear structure to it, and yet it feels so natural. Like it's it's like it should feel bad, but it it's in fact feels flawless and. It's like I I can't I, I can't but help admire it for that. Like it's like yeah we're, we're doing this this thing should break your immersion, but we're actually doing everything else so astonishingly well. Like uh, you you're just gonna lap it up and and continue. And I think like as as Ben was saying, like it's it's got this ability to just if you want you can deep dive you can go and and full jeff it up and franks it up and 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 start uh digging into the the Sorry, way jeff. this world is constructed but equally you can just live in the moment and just follow yeah. them along and just see how these characters interact and both ways of experiencing this are equally good and equally satisfying it also as as you were saying part of the reason andy and like I'm sure you resent me this for this anyway. Is is no? As soon as I found out this was as number one, I, I that that solidified my decision to to make uh, uh, you uh, uh, to kick Bocce uh, out of it's uh, qualified because uh, they you. have the the same uh, director um, Saito yeah. Kichiro Saito, and for him to have those two shows uh, and Aka Thirteen. Uh, uh, prefectures, which was a I, good I liked, few years ago. I liked ago. Aka. Aka 13, I But really it was enjoyed. not this tier. It was not Bocce tier. It was not no. Freire tier. No, 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 no. Like, he has just hit his stride in an incredible way. And he seems to be, like, as you were saying, like, there's so many bad noises about, about other prestige productions, but a lot of the noise coming out around this seems to be happy noise. People seem to be mm. proud of what they're doing and being given uh, the space and time to to show off what they're good at. And that just is just a rare, optimistic and happy story surrounding anime production. <laughs> and, and, and Honestly, I, I'm less unlike you, I, I don't think there's any chance they'll, they'll fuck up the story. I'm just worried about what happens if they start crunching. Dear God, please no, don't, don't, don't turn into bastards, please. <laughs> I posted a tweet on this, a long tweet about the, uh, the Bullroom dancing scene that they did in the latest episode. The thing that I really enjoyed from that, like Twitter thread was how the, the person who, who, uh, who animated that scene, who also animated, uh, the starry live scene in Bocce the Rock as well, 
um, which you said was CG, but apparently isn't. No, no, it, it used it used CG as reference. Doesn't matter. Anyway, but we, we covered this. Don't is, worry, Andy. The point is, is that you see the the note like the keyframe notes, and it's just like blank pages of him, and he just has trust in this key in this animator to be able to make this beautiful scene. And he had the time to go out, go to like the ball a uh, ballroom association to record them mo capping. Like and so many small notices, like the way that her hair falls, the way that the the dress flows, like it's so beautiful. And that kind of stuff is only done with time. You can't rush that stuff. Uh, mm. And yeah, it, and the it just speaks for itself. The show is gorgeous. Yeah, it doesn't set a foot wrong. Yeah, we, at the what happened with Bocce was they they. They mocapped it. They imported it into 3D, and then they basically used that to to move around the scene, so they could take whatever angle they wanted. Yeah, which is a really smart thing. Mm-hmm. That was a really interesting thing to see, like CG not being used foreground, but CG being used background to be used this as a tool rather than just a shortcut. And I th- and like th- I think a lot of lot of things like. Um, Nowadays, people are like a bit worried about the direction the craft is going. Uh, are things like AI going to be used to for things like tweening, and are you going to get people pushed into even more marginalised roles and paid even less? And it's it's good to see the craft being recognised and put front and centre, and to see what the results of of doing that is being so widely recognised. And so, yeah, really good. Yeah, such a positive dear God, we're all, we're such a positive na- note to be ending this year. We with, love like. an, we love anime. What can I say? Twenty twenty three year of anime. Yeah, Fact. <laughs> <laughs> the reason why we do this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, nice. yeah, it's it's funny to just scroll down my Facebook and just like every third post is is Freer and fan art, including uh, Freer and Ara getting married. Um, someone who's misidentified all the characters as as Genshin Impact uh, characters. <laughs> yeah, like you can always tell yeah. when something has like has grabbed the culture, and usually it, it's dog shit that's grabbed the culture. So it's mm. nice to have like mm. some Lodos ass fantasy that just everyone's talking about um, mm-hmm. with with the, a powerful uh, One Sama twin tails leading the leading the charge. Mm-hmm. An older <laughs> yeah. woman, but. Not the kind of older really. really one. Not the fun kind. That that was yeah, that that joke uh I love every time it comes up and it's never gonna get out. I'm always gonna enjoy the them as the older woman, like it's right here. She's like, Yeah, not that one. She's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, I get what you're saying, but no. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. So does anyone have any honorable mentions they want to throw out for any reason? I'm I mean I'm mad that I couldn't put couldn't put a apothecary on there, but we already know why. I'd like just continue to pour court like imperial court dramas down my throat until I'm sick of them and start vomiting, please. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, uh, apothecary dives is on is on my honorable mentions definitely. Like, but especially the latest episode, holy shit! Oh my god, it's incredible! It's so good. Yeah. I I want a super smash cut of uh, Mao Mao being thrown out of uh, doors. Uh, that's, that's, <laughs> no, it's just, just like bouncing. Yeah, that's that's my dream. Uh, but yeah, like it's it's that is that is definitely up there. It's annoying because everything is good this season. What about you, Jeff? Anything for you? 
Um, Hell's Paradise, as was mentioned earlier. Yeah, um, Hell's Paradise I, as well. I still like Gundam Witch from Mercury by the end of the... Yeah. I was actually surprised that none of you guys had brought it up. Um, I was expecting it was a it was, long list. It was on my short list, but I cut it because, like, can I recommend that more than any other Gundam anime? Can I recommend it more than uh, Big O? No, I can't. So. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Uh, Heavenly Delusion was also on my like list of things that were actually good this year. Uh, Apothecary Diaries as well. Yeah, I think think my my honorable mention goes to Overtake, which is another show this season, which is just like this small slice of life show about grief and and set under the guise of a, a, a show about F four racing. Probably the best writing this year, but it's in a, a year where just having good writing isn't good enough. It's where you've got to have the whole package, and it's good, but it's it's not Frere and good, <laughs> which yeah. is is the the bar everything's got got to be judged by this. Uh, I've got I've got two more. Sorry, two more. Uh, first one is on one hundred. Like uh... despite the productions, I really enjoyed it. And yeah. Then... Now we're gonna get it. Christmas Day apparently is when yeah. they're going to yeah. release the last few episodes. But like, yeah. it's it's a weird one. I enjoyed what I watched. When it show, it goes to show that when you have when it ends on ep- nine after nine episodes, you just forget about it and then you stop mm. caring. Um, and then the other one is uh, Skip and Loafer. Really, yeah. Oh yeah, you, you really did you, like that. Yeah, so did you, Duncan? I, I thought yeah, it was, it was long list well. again. Yeah, um, really enjoyed. We really should have done local. ten, and then had this episode yeah. be four hours long. <laughs> like we do. Yeah. So yeah, those are my ones. Yeah, it's it's been it's been a really good year, I think. Um, but like part of that's I think influenced by the fact that this is a re- it, one of the strongest um, autumns, like uh, single seasons, I remember mm. for a long, long time. But I think there have been in some really good shows just scattered throughout. Like it's. And we and as as both Ben and Andy attested, like there was the tail end of last year leaked into this year as well as and the, because of the strange, yeah, yeah. So the weird way of uh, that. Uh, okay, it's it's hundred percent not our scheduling. It's obviously the anime industry's fault. There's also been some weak ass seasons as well. Like last season, I watched like two shows. It was fucking yeah. nothing. Uh, Summer was a bit of a drought. Summer was a drought. Yeah. <laughs> And that's not even including stuff that I want to watch, but I can't, like Undead Unluck. Disney Plus Jail again, I guess. Uh, or Hulu Jail, who knows? Who the fuck knows? Um... So, finally, Andy, <laughs> you, I think we have your traditional manga lists. Yeah, uh, so I've, I've, I've split the mangas lists into two. So I've got the top five new mangas that I'm reading this year and the top five ongoing mangas that I'm reading this year. Uh, so... Uh, top five new mangas, start from the bottom. The guy she was interested in wasn't a guy at all. This is a Twitter manga um, about uh, a girl who, a gyaru who falls in, who starts having uh, feelings for this guy, this really cool, like, goth rock guy who works at a record store, turns out to be a girl, turns out to be, like, a woman, a girl in her school. And it's really sweet. It's really sweet how, even though it's not, a guy that it's not a guy she still absolutely crushes for her uh it's a very lovely um yuri manga but it's got and it's got this great art style where it it has like black but then it also has green because it's twitter it can have like a separate doesn't 
it's not constrained to like one color, but the way that it just uses this like fluorescent green, it really pops and it really gives the the manga an identity. Um, <clears throat> number four, Mikane and the Sea Witch. There's not much on this, but it's uh, about a guy who um, falls in love with a sea witch. The mm. art is really beautiful. It's sort of reminiscent of old shoujo manga in a way. And yeah, I, I'm interested. Big flowing to hair. See. Yeah, big flowing hair. And it's about him sort of, again, like coming of age story, falling in love with a woman, something that he doesn't fully understand, but he wants to get to know it better and is not interested in the things that he knows and the things that are safe, which is like this girl that is actively interested in him, but is more interested in this unknown, like exciting, unsafe sort of sea witch um, <laughs> type character who comes in in the first episode. I, I really like it. I love the art. It's beautiful. It's melancholic. And I'm looking forward to seeing where it's going. Uh, number three, Kill Blue. This is a Shonen Jump manga. Mangaka is the guy who did Kurokono Basuke. I didn't think he had it in him to do something that is this good. Um, it's a story about a hitman gets stung by a bee and uh, de-ages back to high school. The high school, but he's told by his boss that he can still be paid uh, if, as long as he goes into this high school and cases the joint for when his kids are old enough to join. He meets one woman who uh, is the head of the conglomerate that turned him into a kid and then this really stupid contrived story happens where he is forced to be his girl her girl her it boyfriend sounded less and less like a recommendation yeah <laughs> i can't quite i it's the reason why i like it is because it's really funny like it takes like five chapters to get here but the comedy is arises because juzo who is the assassin is actually like a 30 year old guy who already has a wife and kids doesn't want to have any relationship with a high schooler and that's where the comedy comes in and it's really fucking funny i really enjoy this manga it, i i was surprised how much i liked it i started it as a, as a whim it's about like 70 chapters in and it's not done the the traditional shonen comedy route of it's not funny anymore so we're just going to delve back into the action it's not done that and if this was other shows like Sakamoto Days, it has does that. It does that very quickly. It stops becoming funny. Whilst I find Kill Blue funny all the way through, and I'm surprised how good it is. Uh, I really recommend that one. Anyway, number two, Dangerous in My Heart. I just started reading it. We've already spoken about it. I love it. Number one, Bochi the Rock and Bochi the Rock Gaiden Hiroi Kukuri no Fuka, uh, Fukaze Nikki, which is the side show about uh Hiroi and I'm surprised how good that is. It shouldn't be very good. It's the weird drunk monk girl who's basically one of the who's who's uh part of Sick Hack. It shouldn't be so good, but it is actually quite good and I, I'm enjoying it a lot. Anyway, top five ongoing mangoes. Uh number five. This is actually a new one. I've been reading it for a while but I really didn't like it where it was last year. Uh Showa Shoten which is the mangakas, the two who wrote uh, Death Note, your favorite, Ben Bakuman. Uh, mm. he, they've, they've come back and they've done a, a Manzai comedy sketch group duo uh, who are trying to be the best. And 
it has all the problems that Bakuman has where none of them, they never lose and they always, and they get given fucking golden, whatever, like golden chances and, and so much help from random people for no fucking reason. However, this year, they, they were, there's another group, comedy group called Glass Slipper who are two female acts. And not only are they funnier, not only are they better than the other two, but they also have an actual story that is endearing and you want to support them about the way that the female females are treated in the show in uh, females are treated in showbiz, how they, they expect to be treated and how they refuse to be treated that way in a really punk rock dope, fucking awesome attitude. And I feel this is going to get an anime. I don't, fucking i'm gonna be so fucking pissed because it's gonna get to the second core before it gets good because glass slipper are fucking incredible and that's why they've seeped into number five number four the ichinose's family deadly sins again was in there last year it's now sadly ended it did slightly lose its way at the end but i really enjoyed what it was trying to do about families they're trying to stories about is a family, a found family better than a real family? Or should you just accept the family that you've already got and try and muck it in together and work with it? I actually really enjoyed the themings. I don't think it landed the ending and it felt like he didn't really know where he was going halfway either, but I enjoyed it. Uh, number three, Akare Banashi. I think this was my number one last year. Mm -hmm. Since then, um, it's kind of lost its way. It had this massive confrontation. And since then, it's kind of, it's not really meeting. I, I still love it. I still enjoy every chapter it comes out, but it's not really meeting my expectations as what it was before. Um, it feels like it's having a bit of trouble in its stride, knowing where to go to next. Um, but I still enjoying it. And there's still some great characters and I still really recommend it. Uh, number two, my dress up darling, I think was also in my top five. The, the current arc is really great with, uh, with, um, those two, I'm looking forward to being, being an anime. I know there's a second season, but we, we are far from getting to that point. Uh, and then number one, sadly, it's One Piece. I, I don't want to talk much more about <laughs> it, but, but like, it's amazing how that guy's managed to write a thousand plus chapters and it still is endearing and I'm still following the plot and I still am invested. And now there's going to be a reboot of the And now there's going to be a reboot right? and I can't wait. I absolutely can't wait. I'm, I'm like, I'm... <laughs> fucking on board with one piece till i die and it's upsetting but it's it's still good and only only a, only something like manga can actually do something like one piece pull off something yeah. like one piece and it takes an auteur like oda sensei to actually commit to one piece uh, i don't know how he does it he's been on this thing for like 30 years now coming up 30 years and that's fucking dedication <laughs> uh and it's it's paying off because the stories that he's writing now, like he's getting into this guy called Kuma, who's like this side character. And he's like the weirdest character because he's kind of like a robot and like no one really knows anything about him. But you're now getting his backstory and like all One Piece backstories, they're fucking tragic. And you suddenly care about this character. And this is why I'm excited for like the remakes because you... I've now got all this context that I'm going to watch and I'm going to see something different when I go back and watch that, that presumably Oda sensei fucking knew from the beginning. Cause I believe that he's that great a mangaka. He's that great a genius that he can do that kind of shit. 
I just hope that uh, the One Piece re remake comes out and they, they diverge from the plot. And <laughs> they... <laughs> oh god, Maybe. that would cause a riot. Yeah, Luffy just dies yeah. in the second episode. <laughs> <laughs> Like, uh, I, just wanna stand wasn't good I just want to stand <laughs> and just watch those flames engulf yeah. time, time to Scott Pilgrim takes off yeah. one piece <laughs> to in honestly that was almost phrase of I, I honestly considered putting that on my long list and but I, I might have had to disqualify myself for putting something which is which I'm not sure count what? I can count as an anime or not I think it's an anime anyway it's made by Sarah Sarah yeah, yeah, it's yeah. made by Science Sarah. And the the I do think the English voice acting is garbage. I really feel that half it's of the It's just they're not trained in. voice actors. Like yeah. there are some people that turn it in, but by and large, like, yeah, it's the weird over enunciation of inexperienced voice actors trying to do animation. Anyway. <laughs> now that we brought it down to a slightly more minor note than the triumphant <laughs> ear ringing of, of Free Run and <laughs> Apothecary Dyers and the like. Uh, let's go ahead and wrap it up there. Remember, rate, review, subscribe to us on the podcast platform of your choice. Find us on Facebook, search for Keyframes Pod, and check out some Freerun memes while you're there. Find us on Twitter, now X, at Keyframes Pod. Um, again, find some good memes. Email us questions. Email us your favorite Freerun memes at keyframespodcast at gmail.com. And most of all, tell a friend. But not just any friend, Ben. If I were you, I'd tell your friend who recently sent you some Freeven memes uh, and then tell them to go to our Twitter account where there are more Freeven memes. Oh, boy. You're going to have a real you're gonna cut have a out real... for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, have a. it's been a, a great year of anime, as we've said. Mm -hmm. Happy holidays, everybody. Hope you had a good end of the year. And come back next month. We will be talking about the end of this star-studded anime season. So more, more free and talk. More free and, yeah. <laughs> Do you want to hear I, this again a month from now? Slightly I, different. I then we'll be comparing we it to Delicious in Dungeon. Yeah. Oh, I'm so I will be comparing it to Record of Lodos 4 again. Uh, <laughs> say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Goodbye.